Welcome to Wealth and Understanding, Conversations with the Riverview Trust Company. In this series, we hope to demystify the financial and estate planning process. We'd like to help our clients and friends make informed decisions that they feel good about. In this edition, uh, part of our series on estate planning basics, we're going to try to address the question, what is a trust anyway? You know, there's a lot of talk of trusts in estate planning, and even though they're very commonly used, and even though they've been around for hundreds of years, most people, and even including a lot of lawyers and accountants, are not clear about what they are and how they work. So let's see if we can't clarify. To begin with, a trust is not an entity the way a corporation or a partnership is. Instead, a trust is really a contractual arrangement between three parties. First, there's the grantor or the settlor. That's the person who creates the trust. Second, there's the trustee. That's the person who takes legal title to the trust property. And third, there's the beneficiary, who's the person for whom the trust is created. And this contract is based around, usually anyway, a trust agreement in writing. And so the grantor or the settlor gives some amount of assets to the trustee, and the trustee agrees to manage those assets in accordance with the term of the trust agreement for the benefit of the beneficiary. Now, although trusts are sometimes used in business, they're most commonly used in estate planning when you want someone to get the benefit of the trust property, but you want someone else to control it. Now, although there seems to be a bazillion different types of trusts, the world of trusts can be broken into two large categories, revocable and irrevocable. A revocable trust is a trust that can be revoked. It can be broken up, it can be modified, it can be amended in any way that the person who creates the trust wants to do so. Irrevocable trusts are not revocable. That means once you set them up, they're kind of set in stone. The terms can't be changed. Now, we'll talk about this a little bit later. They actually can be under the right circumstances. But it's best to think of them as not able to be revoked or amended. Let's start by talking about revocable trusts. Revocable trusts are sometimes known as living trusts or revocable living trusts. And the reason that they're named that way is that they're created while the person is alive. This is different from what are called testamentary trusts, which are trusts that are created only at a person's death. An irrevocable living trust is basically a substitute for a will. It describes where your assets pass at your death. But unlike uh, a will, the revocable living trust is effective immediately, and that has some significant benefits that we'll talk about in a second. Now, remember how I said there were three parties to a trust? Well, if you create a revocable living trust, you are all three of those parties. So you're the grantor, you're the trustee, and you're the beneficiary. So you take your assets. Usually you take almost all of your assets other than retirement plans, which can't be transferred into a trust. And you give them to yourself as trustee, and you ask yourself to administer them for your own benefit. And you agree with yourself and say, yes, I will administer these for my own benefit. Now, that sounds kind of schizophrenic, and it is. The reason that you do it, though, 
is that you, once you transfer your assets from yourself individually to yourself as trustee, you no longer own the assets. You, the trustee does. Uh, and even though you're the trustee, if you ever stop being the trustee, the person that you've named as your successor trustee takes over for you. And this might happen, obviously, in the event that you pass away, but it also might happen if you become incapacitated or just don't feel like administering your affairs anymore as you age. And this allows you to plan for your incapacity as well as your death using a revocable trust. Also, if you don't own anything, if the trustee owns it, the assets that are in the trust do not go through the probate process. Now, probate is beyond the scope of this podcast, uh, but it's a court-supervised procedure whereby your will gets administered, and that has some historical uh, background that we don't need to get into. Uh, And probate can be a very complicated and very time-consuming and very expensive process depending upon the state in which the person passes away. Washington State, for example, has a fairly easy probate process, whereas Oregon and California have, uh, well, pretty complicated probates. So probate avoidance is a major benefit that a revocable living trust gives you. And it's even bigger benefit if you own real property in more than one state, because you have to have a separate probate in every state where you own real property. So if you, for example, are an Oregon resident, but you have a uh, winter place down in the desert in California, and then you pass away and have homes in both of those states, that means you're going to have to have both a California and an Oregon probate. And like I said, both states have pretty cumbersome probate processes. And so probate avoidance is a really big deal for people in that category. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, revocable living trusts are great for incapacity planning as well. That's the other major benefit of having a revocable living trust. So if you ever become incapacitated, uh, Alzheimer's being the stereotypical example, and you want to prepare to have somebody else available to manage your financial affairs for you, uh, a revocable living trust is a great choice because as soon as you stop acting as your own trustee, the person who you've named as your successor trustee takes over automatically and can pay your bills and help with all other financial arrangements. If you don't have a revocable living trust and you become incapacitated, you may be able to get by with a power of attorney naming someone else as your agent. Uh, But if you don't have that, you'll have to go uh, get, uh, or you won't because you'll be incapacitated, but uh, uh, your custodian will have to go get appointed by the court. And that can be a very expensive and cumbersome process to be appointed guardian or conservator. So just to summarize, the two benefits of a revocable living trust are probate avoidance and incapacity planning. Now, revocable living trusts aren't for everybody. Uh, as I mentioned before, they're, they're kind of schizophrenic, and it's hard for people to remember that they own all of their assets as trustee uh, and not in their own individual name. And so as time goes on, you may forget to title your assets uh, in the name of yourself as trustee. And Revocable living trusts only operate over assets that you hold in trustee name. So, for example, if you go see an attorney and get a revocable trust set up, and a few years later you open a brokerage account or a bank account at some institution and forget that you had that trust that you set up a few years ago, 
and you put that account in your name, your name individually, then that asset will not operate under the trust agreement and instead have to pass through probate at your death. Also, if you become incapacitated, the financial institution that holds the account for you probably won't recognize the trust. In fact, they almost certainly will not recognize that the trust exists. So just to summarize, the two benefits to having a revocable living trust are incapacity planning and probate avoidance. The drawbacks are complication and the need to keep all your assets titled in the name of the trust. And also, revocable trusts are a little bit more expensive to set up at the beginning because they require a lot of extra paperwork. Uh, It's not really all that hard, but uh, some people uh, find it a little off-putting that they're a little pricier. All right, so that covers revocable living trusts. Now let's talk about the other broad category, which is irrevocable trusts. And irrevocable trusts, although they're both trusts in the general sense, are completely different from revocable living trusts. Revocable living trusts are set up for you. Irrevocable trusts are basically set up for someone else. Uh, There's a few exceptions to that, but that's a general way of thinking about it. And the other general way to think about it is that irrevocable trusts are designed to protect a beneficiary against someone. They're designed really for protection only. And I think that that's true regardless of the particular irrevocable trust you're using. So what do I mean by that? Well, to begin with, you might want to protect your beneficiaries against the Internal Revenue Service. There's a number of irrevocable trusts that are designed to save either estate and gift tax or income tax. Now, a discussion of what those techniques are is beyond the scope of this particular podcast, uh, but we may take it up in future episodes, and you should definitely consider talking to your estate planning attorney or CPA about what those options might be. Second, you may want to protect your beneficiaries against other beneficiaries. Let's say you're on your second marriage and you have kids from a prior marriage, and you want your current spouse to have the benefit of your assets during his or her lifetime, but when he or she is gone, you want whatever is left over of those assets to pass to your kids from the prior marriage. Well, it may not be a good idea to give all of your assets outright to your current spouse because he or she may not have a good relationship with your kids from the previous marriage. So you could create a trust that allows the current spouse to get the benefit of the assets during his or her lifetime. But upon his or her passing, the trust terminates or goes into further trust for the benefit of your kids from the prior marriage. A third category is for trusts that protect the beneficiaries against themselves. This might be the case, for example, if you want to leave significant assets to uh, a minor and you want to have somebody else oversee the management of those assets until the child reaches a certain age. And it doesn't just have to be a minor. It could be someone in their 20s who maybe hasn't found their career yet. You also may want to protect someone against themselves if they have substance abuse problems or if they have uh, developmental disabilities. There's a particular category called special needs trusts, for example, that are designed to help enhance uh, a special person's lifestyle Uh, but not disqualify them for whatever government benefits they might be receiving. And then finally, you may want to protect 
someone against their creditors, including future creditors that you don't know anything about. So what I mean by that is if I leave property to my son and he accidentally gets in a car accident and is found liable, those assets that I've given him that he's inherited from me become available for attachment by the creditor through the lawsuit. On the other hand, if I leave that property to him as trustee of a trust, even though he could be his own trustee and in charge of managing the assets, those assets inside the trust probably aren't available for attachment by creditors. This becomes really important when you're talking about future ex-spouses. So you may love your kids and you may love their spouses, but you may also recognize that divorce rates are pretty high these days. And you may want to ensure that the assets that you leave to your child don't become part of uh, any future divorce settlement. And an irrevocable trust is a great way uh, to help ensure that that result happens. This podcast was written and produced by Riverview Trust Company, which is solely responsible for its content. Although we've discussed generally some legal concepts, Riverview Trust Company does not provide legal advice. You should consult with your own attorney to decide whether the general ideas that we've presented in this podcast are right for you. Post-production work was done, and our theme music was created by James Klein. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.